let's begin by saying that so much about capitalism has let us down. <laughs> like in the middle of this pandemic, we've all looked around and said, like, is this the system that we have? Is this what we're stuck with? But the good news story that I will say is like the cream that rises to the top. It's like if we create a system and it's bad, we also have the opportunity to change the system to make it good. So essentially, fundamentally, conscious capitalism is about recognizing that uh, capitalism has a lot of upsides, you know, the ethical fair exchange of goods and services, um, but that it, it goes wrong uh, far too often. Um, it doesn't necessarily create the fair, just world we all know that we need. So it's about companies and, and businesses, brands, acknowledging that there are four pillars uh, to becoming a conscious, conscious capitalist um, in a conscious company, and that's leadership, um, purpose, higher purpose, solving worthy problem in the world. That's culture, creating a culture of care where we treat people as people and a planet is worthy of preserving and protecting and stakeholder. Yeah. Stakeholders. So saying, um, everyone that we work with, every life we touch is a stakeholder in what we do and how can we make choices that not only help us win, but help them win and not compromise so that we're harming or hurting someone else. Um, if it sounds a little uh, high-minded or um, idealistic. That's because it is. Um, but it's designed to be that way, to be this sort of aspirational way of imagining what's possible. The pursuit of, of excellence is something we're all striving towards. I want you to focus on what you do best. You need to have an approval. How many approvals? What are the steps? It's really about listening. If it's not documented, it's, it's not done. Thanks for tuning into In Systems We Trust the show where we dive into all things systems and processes and hear from the professionals that are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. Welcome back to another episode of In Systems We Trust. Today, I'm talking with Angela Wallace. Angela is a trained conscious capitalist consultant who has over 10 years of leadership building brands with purpose. As a champion of female founders in diverse CPG categories, she drives sustainability to the mass market. She has served as a social impact mentor in WeWork Labs and a juror for Fashion Takes Action Design Forward, Canada's award for sustainable fashion. Angela led 100 partnerships as director of brands at a firm voted in 2018 in the top 10 global social impact businesses by real leaders with B-Lab. She's currently serving as a COO, CSO at Bogle Brush, an innovative Made in America oral care brand made from plants and recycled materials that gives back 10% of profits to causes in local communities. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you for having me. And it's so good to see you and catch up. It's great. Good to see you as well. <laughs> um, something that I didn't mention off the top, and we'll probably get into it, but Angela and I did some work. Um, mm. How long was that like just before th these COVID lockdowns where, where, where we did question. some work together? Was it last it wasn't this past May. Was it the May before? I forget, to be honest. It's been a while. It, what is it time? Was Where are we? Where yeah, exactly. It <laughs> no was another idea. lifetime. It feels like. like yeah. But uh, yeah, it's definitely great to to reconnect. So I mean, why don't you you know kind of fill in some of the blanks? I mean, you're currently the COO at Bogle Brush. Um, you're, you're doing a lot of work in the space. Um, as well. So why don't you tell us a bit more about Bogo Brush, you know, what industry you would fall into and what does the organization really do? Absolutely. So Bogo Brush is an innovative oral care brand. This is a, one of our examples. This is a flax brush, um, or pardon me, this is a hemp brush. Um, so we source waste and then we use the power of design and beauty to create everyday products that people will have in the landscape of their daily lives and connect them back to people and to planet. So Bogo Brush was founded actually by uh, John and Heather McDougall, brother-sister team, grew up in North Dakota, and their dad was a dentist. So this is how they ended up on a toothbrush. <laughs> Heather is a champion of sustainability, and John's actually a trained industrial engineer. He does product design in his full-time job, um, and that's his, his wheelhouse. So they discovered that 400 million manual plastic toothbrushes are sent to landfill every year. 
So a, a problem of that scale, um, they believe they could design around that and empower consumers with choice. So we have a recycled collection, which almost all people have access to recycling facilities in their municipal, uh, wherever they live in their city. Um, and it is really cool colors. There's pink and, and mint, rose and mint. So just unique um, kind of colorways that we have going there. And we do biodegradable. So this is sourcing from American farms, coffee, cotton, uh, flax and hemp and uh, using what would otherwise be sent to landfill and integrating that into a compostable resin. So you can toss that in your green bin and uh, it goes back to the earth instead of in a landfill or in the ocean or in the river. Um, and they knew that they wanted to do something meaningful. And like so many companies, um, I met them when they were in those startup phases. You know, they had um, done direct-to-consumer, e-commerce, subscription model and seen a, quite a bit of press interest and um, had some success there. Uh, but being in a CPG category, they really needed to attack the mass market in the places and spaces where people buy toothbrushes in our drugstores and our grocery stores. And uh, with my background in the product space, I'd connected with Heather and we actually stayed in touch for over a year before she brought me in on a broker basis. Uh, working here from Toronto and the brand is based in the States, is born in Detroit and it's made it fully made in America outside of uh, Illinois or Chicago, Illinois, pardon me. And um, she loved what I was doing in my former, my past life with the, the 100 brand partnerships. Um, and that evolved this year, really through the pandemic, the brand gained momentum. And uh, she said, would you like to come in in a more substantial role and, and help us grow and, and really attack um, this growth together. So that's where where I'm at, what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's that's why companies like yours are are so important. I mean, I know for our family, we we switched to recycled, you know, toothbrushes probably a, a year and a bit ago. And like, that's all we use. I mean, we went to the dentist, you know, in the fall and they're giving us these plastic things and I'm, I'm like cringing a little bit. I'm like, I don't want to use yeah. this. Right. But like, it, it's so important that mm -hmm. companies are thinking about sustainability in yeah. the future as well. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the powerful things is really um, just acknowledging that giving people options to make those small changes and make those improvements as a family, as a consumer is um, really a profound thing. It's not about getting everything perfect, but it is about making progress on, on these issues in the world and giving ourselves some choices on, on what we can do to make a difference that are also accessible. So part of the, the, the achievement of getting into CVS Health in the United States, where we launched in nearly 2000 stores, was we were within reach of millions of Americans. And that's a pretty awesome thing to think about. Like, ah, yeah, we, we managed to, to set up shop um, in all kinds of communities. Um, so it's, it's been a fun journey and I'm so excited for the year ahead. Very cool. I'm, I'm going to back it up a little bit mm -hmm. and, you know, um, give the audience a bit more context. Because I know when we, we were doing some work together, um, you know, for Ditto, we were coming up with some core values and trying mm -hmm. to, you know, tie impact to mission and vision for the future and how we can work mm -hmm. towards more sustainability. So um, off the top, I really skimmed past it in your bio, but we talked about you, you know, being a trained conscious capitalist consultant. What is conscious capitalism can you expand more upon that and you know what kind of work do you do with with brands like bogle brush through your 100 mm -hmm. partnerships well, what does that really look like and can you just give us that definition yeah so i mean let's begin by saying that so much about capitalism has let us down <laughs> like in the middle of this pandemic we've all looked around and said like is this the system that we have is this what we're stuck with but the good news story that I will say is like the cream that rises to the top. It's like, if we create a system and it's bad, we also have the opportunity to change the system to make it good. So essentially, fundamentally, conscious capitalism is about recognizing that uh, capitalism has a lot of upsides, you know, the ethical fair exchange of goods and services, um, but that it, it goes wrong uh, far too often. Um, it doesn't necessarily create the fair, just world we all know that we need. So it's about companies and, and businesses, brands, acknowledging that there are four pillars uh, to becoming a conscious, conscious capitalist and in a conscious company, and that's leadership, 
um, purpose, higher purpose, solving worthy problem in the world. That's culture, creating a culture of care where we treat people as people and a planet is worthy of preserving and protecting and stakeholder. Yeah, stakeholders. So saying um, everyone that we work with, every life we touch is a stakeholder in what we do and how can we make choices that not only help us win, but help them win and not compromise so that we're harming or hurting someone else. Um, if it sounds a little uh, high-minded or um, idealistic, that's because it is, um, but it's designed to be that way, to be this sort of aspirational way of imagining what's possible in business. Hmm. That's so good. And, and so like with your role at Bogo Brush then, you know, what does that really entail? How do you take your background? Like it seems with your four pillars, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking through systems today, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, it, it seems like this is the structure that, you know, is it fair to say that all businesses can follow this, you know, structure, this archetype, right? And so like, how, how do you take that? What have you done to implement some of, you know, those thoughts and methodologies into Bogo Brush and like, really, what does a typical week look like Definitely. for you um, working with them? Well, it's funny. I think sometimes people imagine that if you're call yourself a conscious capitalist, you're sort of sat like on a special meditation pillow and your eyes are closed and you're just like, um, sure. and you don't do any real work or like yeah. have any like, you know, HubSpot or whatever focus, but that's not how yeah. it is. It's, it's more an attitude and a set of core values that then drive your behaviors. So that as you go about your daily business, as you set your yearly targets, as you plan your 10 year big, hairy, audacious goals, you are setting it in a frame that says, even if we reach, as we reach for profitability, as we pursue success and growth and market share and all the things we all desire for success, we have these additional metrics and measures that we're gonna fold into that so that what we achieve, we can be proud of because it lines up with who we say we are and the world we want to help create. So for me, a, a week is actually a lot of operational and sales work. It's connecting with people um, at retailers and having pitches with them and talking about growing the brand in really practical ways, listing into uh, points of sale and, and increasing our distribution. It's connecting with our manufacturers a female-founded business uh, called Matrix 4, um, and working with them on our pack plans and our freight partners and our carriers. It's a lot of practical wholesale brand development work and really getting into the details. And the way that I integrate these, these two things and how I bring it together is by making sure that our operating system and all the things we're creating functionally make the business model successful, but foundationally help us achieve our higher purpose in the world. So I love this idea of, of noble sales. There's a great book I'm listening to, an audiobook right now that talks about this. But effectively, um, yes, I wanna make sure we grow revenue and um, sell a higher number of units and all of those wonderful, profitable things. Um, but at the behind that, I always ask myself, and how does this change people's lives? How does this change CVS Health? How does this change the buyer at CVS Health, her experience um, working there and her fulfillment in her job? How does this change CVS customers' lives? And I'm just using them as one example, but um, that's how I integrate it. It's always there as a foundation of the, all the practical work you do. That's awesome. And I, and I have two questions that are really come from that. I mean, we have on the, you know, operational side, I want to know if you can answer this one first, um, a lot of the systems and operations that you're now managing, um, were they already in place before you, before you came into the role? Have you worked to create them, reshape them? And then the second part, which I'll um, ask you to answer is how do you approach these brands, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and you, and you ask that question is, you know, how do you approach them? Um, maybe I'm asking too much right now, but how do you convince them that there is a better way to do this and why should they care? So 
let's let's touch on the operations and what it was like when you got there. And then we'll talk about the approach to brands. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the two are, are really connected because for me, I really do unite what I would call like profit and purpose. You have to have a good business model structures and systems because you can have the most noble purpose in the world you might want to pull every single toothbrush out of the ocean but if you don't have a way of making sure your business is healthy that leadership is focusing on the right levers in the business to grow the business like there's a good chance that you'll not achieve this wonderful thing in the world that you dream of doing so for me when i arrived at bogo brush first of all heather and john had done a great job of creating um, a really compelling brand um but like a lot of founders they don't have a background in the cpg space directly and so naturally like any young company especially um, businesses that are trying to enter into specific categories for example there are naturally gaps that come up where actually we don't really know how to navigate through trade marketing and exhibit at a trade show and create a sales pitch that will resonate with the decision makers. So for things like that, um, there was that experience and knowledge kind of um, gap that I was able to come in and and help close and and build out a bit stronger. And then from a systems perspective, um, you know, getting a a CRM up and running. um, So we're, we're in HubSpot. Layer, I know you're going to love this. Layering in a sauna, project management, <laughs> breaking out. I know. Yeah. <laughs> let's just take a moment. <laughs> let's just talk about a sauna for the rest let's, of the Okay. Day. I mean, that? let's go. So, so new, new topic. <laughs> yeah. A sauna only. Um, so, yes. it's a, And the other thing, and, and I will talk about this till the cows come home, um, because I believe in it so much. We integrated the entrepreneurial operating system. And that is something I actually learned working with another brand, um, a wonderful woman named Jennifer Lewis here in Toronto. She runs Urban Spa. And that was a transformational thing for me to learn because that creates a whole set of tools and cadences around meetings, how to run an excellent, effective, efficient meeting, quarterly rocks, um, they're called like KPIs, OKRs. And so I brought that to Bogo Brush and um, we've really appreciated that experience. And the whole rest of the leadership team has just been completely on board and adept at like bringing that into the business and letting it create a real engine um, and a lot of clarity. You have a scorecard you update every week. So you're seeing, you're running down cash flow, Instagram followers, um, how many sales sample sets have you sent out how many sales pitches were completed and you just have a set of numbers that you can track against each week e-commerce revenue yeah so those systems things i'm actually a nerd about it (laughs) so i always want to contextualize that's why you're here that's (laughs) why you're here (laughs) so i always contextualize that that conscious capitalism piece i actually hope that more and more young leaders like us will wrestle with the dynamic tension of these two ways of thinking about business because they can coexist and the more of us who learn who are willing and able and learn how to bring those things together the operating systems the profitability perspective with this can we create meaningful change and and unite them i mean there's no sort of limit to the good that we could do and that's really what drives me what a great system to implement. I mean, yes. taking, you know, bringing EOS into, into Bogo Brush. And so, you know, without giving away too much information, um, <laughs> you know, like, what w- was there a lot of cleanup that you had to do? Like, ha- had they been familiar with, you know, the EOS before, um, before you came in? Or was it just like, we're starting, you know, from scratch here, building out new SOPs? What, what did that process look like for you coming in and becoming familiar with the company, realizing where the opportunities were, where those rocks were, right? And did they just say, Angela, go do it. We need your help. Or, you know, was it a collaborate, collaborative effort? Yes. Oh, there you are. Your video came back. You dropped off for a second. Um, I did. It was uh, a collaborative effort. They had not integrated the entrepreneurial operating system previously. They were pretty unfamiliar with it. I sent them a few classic YouTube videos that I think were produced in probably like 2000. <laughs> and I said, please don't let 
the impression these videos make on you dissuade you from how effective this approach is. Um, and they like had a good laugh about it. Um, so I wouldn't say that it required cleaning up, but it did require a little bit of a learning curve. You know, we booked out additional sessions to get on together on a Saturday and run down. What does this mean? What's the commitment look like? And really for me, it wasn't a hard sell, but I did say like this will require all of us to learn how it works. And then, you know, you have to work the system and that's any system, whether it's EOS, Asana, any tool, any platform, just having it or like adding it doesn't do anything unless you really understand the implementation and then make that commitment meaningful. If you're sort of half-heartedly doing your entrepreneurial operating system, it's not going to be giving delivering the results you hope it will. So that was um, really, and, and, you know, it's a learning curve. So the first quarter you set your goals and, and you know, you realize, ah, I could have worded that better. Like the next time you're like, okay, I bit off more than I can chew. We're going to limit my focus. I'm going to focus further. Um, so things like that um, were very effective. And some of the other pieces, platforms and tools, um, you know, I'm, uh, I don't, many people listening to this will not know, but I run a household solo. I'm a single mom of a young daughter. So I'm a time-starved person and I want to be able to be as focused and as effective as I can be really on the basis that I'd love to try and achieve a pretty decent work-life balance. And most people will, whether they're parents or not, that's a goal like most people have. So for me, one of the, one of the motivations was trying to put in place these things so that at the end of the day, I knew that things weren't, it wasn't a house of cards. It wasn't going to fall apart if I didn't pay attention for one evening. We had a way of organizing our information, of organizing our touch points, of having this cadence in the business that we could begin to rely on. And for me, that's like a reassurance on a, on a very personal level, not just professional, where I can kind of relax in my home life um, and strike that balance. Um, so I guess on a little level, that's me, not selfish, but it is self-involved in the sense that I like creating structures that give me room to breathe and find that balance. Yeah, it's definitely not selfish right. at all. I think we've been, I think we've been conditioned to, you know, believe that, you know, by asking more or expecting mm. that there could be some balance in things, so that we can have some, you know, level of normalcy in our lives, is selfish. But I think we're all looking for that. And I think that's yeah. even become more evident in these last mm. several months. I mean, we're creeping up on a year now, exactly. where like what is time? What is balance? And <laughs> yes. what is really important? Anyways, mm. I digress. Um, no, but it's a good digression. Yeah. What matters most? <laughs> what matters the most? What matters the most? I think we're definitely understanding that a lot more these days. Um, so you're implementing these systems, you're, you're doing good work, um, you're aligning, you know, the team and the company, well, what does the structure look like? And what, what is really under your purview then? Like you have, mm. you have your shipping, you have manufacturing, your production, and you have some, some marketing. So are you working with a CMO and how, how many of these systems and can you walk us through what that really looks like, mm -hmm. how the company's structured, who you're working with and how you keep the team really aligned so mm -hmm. that we're all moving towards this, this, big really goal at the end of it to make the world a better place you know in, in simple terms so we don't have a, a chief marketing officer yet team growth okay. is definitely on the agenda for this year in terms of our strategic investment into growing the team i work really closely with heather she's our uh, ceo and co-founder john co-founder and chief creative officer so he leads point on a lot of our product pipeline in terms of design development even things in and around tooling and some other operational pieces in collaboration with me. Um, so some of those uh, engineering elements, I would say. Um, and, and Dave, he's a global finance guru, and he leans in on the financials of the business. So we're a, a five top team uh, at this time. Uh, we have a, an incredible colleague named Kendall, and hopefully she hears this, um, who wears so many hats in the business. And I can't even say support function. She runs things in so many corners of the company um, in a managerial way. But we work closely on operations and sales. She supports Heather on marketing and impact. So that everything from social media through to picking our charitable partnerships or supporting those. Um, for example, uh, we did a, a, 
uh, Cyber Monday give back kind of thing in and around the holidays. And she was instrumental in that. So I lead, uh, my strongest focus is in sales. So really, where are people going to buy this brush? And how do we make it available more places to more people? Fundamental question for growth in a product-based business. Um, it has to be out there for people to purchase it. And then the operational side of it is, how do we forecast our sales for the year? How do we ensure that our sub-tier vendors and our suppliers are strengthened and we have good work relationships with them? That we can have the materials we need and, and get our production done when we need it so that we have product to send out into the world. Um, those are my core focus areas. And um, it's a lean team right now, so focus is critical. Um, we try not to spread ourselves too thin. Um, but we have a weekly leadership meeting where we focus on this, uh, on all of these things. And um, Kendall and I have a weekly, weekly meeting. And we speak weekly with our manufacturer. Um, and yeah, does that kind of answer your question in terms of how it actually yeah, works? Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah, it does. And I lead, yeah. I lead point on two, uh, well, a few of the key platforms and tools. Um, so I've really built out Asana for the business um, because I just love things living in a place and <laughs> all of that. And probably yeah. actually you could teach me so many ways I'm not even maximizing that. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll, talk we'll talk later. We'll talk later. But that's Let's just something... take that offline. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to... I'll have my people call your people. Uh, yeah, but those sorts of things I've really um, brought in in a, in a big way because uh, for me, I just, I need those those tools to make sense of everything. Mm -hmm. When we are uh, a, a lean, mean team, we don't want too many things to fall through the cracks. We don't want to like miss our momentum. Um, and the danger of any growing business of any brand that's building is that you either get stuck or you miss the opportunities because you just don't have the pieces in place to make it happen when it's there. You want to be in a, put yourselves in a position to say, yes, when something comes forward so that you have the details ready, your, your files are organized, you're, you're ready to go. Um, and then growth is always going to be growing pains, but you can help minimize those to some extent and make the growth um, more joyful rather than painful. I think we just found our episode trailer right there. <laughs> that, was, that was spot on. Fabulous. I love it. Um, so yeah, we're definitely going to dive into Asana right now, but like you said earlier that obviously you're using HubSpot, you're, you're driving sales. So you're spending a lot of time there looking at numbers and reports. Do the two platforms, HubSpot and Asana, do, do they talk to each other at all? And earlier you had talked about doing like annual planning, mm -hmm. right? So how do you use those tools to do your forecasting, mm -hmm. to do your annual planning, mm -hmm. to align the teams? And um, is it a collaborative effort where everyone's coming together and coming up with it, you know, in, in the same, you know, kind of space? Or is this, guys, these are our marching orders. This is what we're doing. Let's mm -hmm. go. So this is my where I have a little confession session and admit that I've not done all yeah. of the integrations and really built it out to the level that I okay. dream of doing this year. Um, but, you know, in the future, I hope that, for example, Asana and HubSpot will be uh, connected and talk to each other because um, in HubSpot, for me, the, the core function and from a sales perspective is leads and that pipeline and trying to start to guess at the value of a lead to the business in terms of what's the potential of that relationship. Um, and there's so many ways of measuring it in a product-based business, but units and dollars are the number, the top two ways. So actually right now I'm working behind the scenes and I'm doing it independently. You asked if it's collaborative, like right now it's a, it's primary, primarily my focus to try and build out these these streams where we start to look at that. Historically, I've done these things all manually. So like I did a manual forecast for a manufacturer where I took a educated guess. It's more art than science sometimes until you get deeper sales data, historical data. Um, but in the future, as we grow, it's like we'll, we'll work on our, on our systems to make our work flow better, more efficient, more effective. And this is one of the ways that we'll do it is by 
taking manual processes or things that I would do in a spreadsheet and bringing it into a platform like HubSpot um, and other sorts of systems, uh, like integrating with QuickBooks and things for inventory management, for example, and making sure that all of these things are, are coherent. But as you can imagine, and you know this firsthand in your work, when you have sort of, when you're strapped for resources, both in time and money, you look at, you do sometimes fall into the, what's the minimum viable integration to start using this and just get going. You know, so my minimum viable for HubSpot was like, I just don't wanna lose any contact information from all of these incredible people I'm meeting this year. You know, I have a hundred buyers from Trader Joe's and Nordstrom's and I have all these people, they have to live somewhere. And I'm afraid if they live in a random spreadsheet in my, you know, so that was our minimum viable, but obviously, and you'll be, you know, the person that I call when I need support, you, you want to build it out to make the maximum use of it, but that can take a little time. Right. Definitely. Um, so awesome. Yeah. Like you, you're, you're doing a lot of the planning independently, you said, and I'm going to reference someone that we, that we both know here, Great. but um, I, I want to know how you're, you're doing that. Like for, I know for, for me, when it comes to um, the work that Ditto's doing, our mutual connection, you know, um, Kyle Dutka put Yay, me on to um, Kyle. Yeah, Kyle, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you, thank <laughs> you, Kyle. Um, you know, he encouraged me, you know, uh, a, a long time ago to take a lot of what we know we need to do, um, the things that we often put off that are important, you know, in growing the business and growing structure and putting systems and really aligning with what what's important for the business. Where are we going with this? And he put me on to um, Brian Scudamore, the, mm -hmm. the CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, right? Mm -hmm. And so his thing is to go away, you know, put together your, your vivid vision and, you know, turn off distractions and think towards the future and write it all out. So, I mean, when I do this, I go away and... Mm -hmm prior to lockdowns, I was able to go to a location, but now it's just silencing all <laughs> notifications, right? Yes. Um, you know, putting everything on do not disturb, signing out of Slack, letting people know you're away. And so what does that process look like for you when it comes to that planning and putting things together? How do you really um, get in the zone to be able to really plan and be intentional about, you know, what big rocks you're going to move for mm -hmm. the next quarter, or the next mm -hmm. half a year kind of thing? Can you, can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So in this context, it's very much, it very much is collaborative and less independent. Um, so for example, with Bogo Brush, so I do this independently for my agency and, and the projects I run on my own, but then with Bogo Brush as a, as a leadership team, we do this jointly and it's holding space with each other. And we're all remote. None of us are in the same city apart from Heather and Dave who are married. So they do, uh, they do reside together. <laughs> so the two out of four are in the same place, but you know, it is, it is arguably harder to be apart and yet create that sense of connection to hold emotional space digitally where people feel they have the psychological safety to share their dreams for the business, their dreams for their role for the future. You know, we had the like privilege of being in a room together with a wet. Can you imagine now? It feels like un yeah. unbelievable. Like we're in a room with this yeah. big whiteboard and we get to have lunch, order in lunch, and we're in person. The door was no closed. The door was closed. <laughs> no mask. <laughs> no mask. Unbelievable. Right. And I I'm know. joking about it. Maybe it's too soon. I don't know. But you know, it's it, there are challenges in this moment in time mm. as businesses, you know, we're all apart, but we're trying to be together, but apart and we're still, we're still doing it. It's not a perfect thing, but we, we come together. So we've done um, an annual, we're doing one this weekend, actually, where we're getting back on together. We're going back over the last quarter and then again over the last year and then looking ahead uh, to the year ahead and saying, what does this look like? And again, it's holding space across the the multiplicities that a change the world business needs. So it's talking about sales just as much as you talk about impact. So it's here's how much revenue we're going to have, but the mirror to that at Bogerbrush is here's how much we're going to give, and here are the places and spaces where we're going to drive change. Um, and so my takeaway from that, on a personal level, collaboratively, is how can I help lead the conversation about how we make money to then use that as a tool of value back into our communities? 
um, and for me, that that's the connection um, that each day I try to make sure is is plugged in. Because <laughs> when that breaks, you lose that motivation, the intrinsic motivation, the one that goes beyond the bottom line. So for us, that's how we're coping through COVID and, and pivoting in the pandemic and just trying to keep mm. keep the vision alive together. To quote Kyle again, I mean, that sounds like you found your your North Star, right? Yeah. Like if mm -hmm. and when everything else, you know, comes down and changes and pivots happen, it seems like you found that real reason why you mm -hmm. do what you do. That That's what it sounds like to me. Is Would I be correct in saying that? You're totally correct in saying that. And yeah. I love that North okay. Star phrase. I've heard that before. Yeah. Kyle's so great to, to bring that in. And he's so good at, you know, holding meaningful conversations. And he's excellent at creating that emotional safety that I talked about um, before. And um, yeah, having a real, listen, whatever work you do, your actual job, that's not necessarily the root of finding that fulfillment. There's actually some, a huge part of it that's an attitude. And the way we can frame this up that I love, and I've had a mentor talk about this before, is you can be a C, an unfulfilled CEO, have the top job, the largest salary, the greatest bonus, all the equity options stuck, and be disappointingly unfulfilled. Or you could be a frontline customer service representative who speaks to the people who use your product every day and feel deeply moved by that human connection and find deep meaning in your work. Even though there's a person in the business who makes a hundred times more than you, you might be a hundred times happier. That is something we struggle with in our culture and our society. Because <laughs> we we sort of imagine that the dude, I say dude, because like there's still a lot of men and not a lot of women doing this. The dude who is the in charge making all the money should be the happiest one. Um, and they can be happy too. There's nothing precluding you from being the top, top job and having big happiness as well. But it's not a straight line and it's not like one leads to the other. Um, and maybe if we allow ourselves to imagine that finding meaning is really about who we are and feeling like our values are being lived out each day, that'll be what makes us um, wow. fulfilled. Wow. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you so much. Um, not, not to take away from that. Like that was so powerful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, for the listeners, I, I, I was smiling through that entire thing because it was making me think about like, obviously the words are, are so impactful, but um, I recently watched, and again, not to take away from this moment, I recently watched the new movie Soul um, ah, that at the time yes. of this recording, you know, Disney Pixar released a few weeks ago. And this is exactly what they talk about. And I mean, they've gotten, you know, some, you know, people, you know, making comments about Pixar and Disney and all that stuff, but it doesn't matter. The, the message is, yeah, your role does not fulfill you, right? Like there's so much more. And I think it, once you find that thing, that purpose is what they talk about in the movie, right? You really find why I'm here, what I'm doing. And that's where you find that real happiness and real joy. So thanks for saying that. And if you haven't seen the movie... <laughs> We've seen Go the movie. It. Well, Shara and I okay. watched it and she loved it. Okay. And I asked Good. her a couple days later, what do you think that movie, what was the main message of that movie? If you had to describe it to someone. And mm -hmm. she said, you have to find your spark. That's what stuck with her. You have to find uh, your spark. And right. it's like, yeah. And if a six-year-old can get it, then like, let's all get it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, so cool. I, I want to talk about like, how your team's doing you said you're you're, you're a lean team right now totally okay like but there's this and i talk about it often and i think the work that ditto does you know with the sauna and helping organizations eliminate waste and become more efficient we find that there is this problem with you know work about work air quotes right where there's the time we're spending on you know un unneeded meetings you know trying to track down people or files or find where that thing is or deadlines or you know there's all this stuff that's happening in between the real important work that we need to do right that's wasting time right and you know bogging us down at the end of it and you know putting our most important tasks and responsibilities to the back burner um so with this you know concept of work about work what does that look like in your organization? Does it exist? And what do you do to eliminate it? How do you use your systems and your processes to eliminate 
this work about work? Such an important thing to visit. And actually, my conscious capitalism training actually fell into this area very directly. I, I read a great book by Aaron Dignan called Brave New Work. Where he just yeah is just, he's so fantastic. If you don't follow him on it's Twitter, back, it's back Big. there on the shelf. Right ah, about, there right you there. go. There it is. Yes. There it is. Yes, yeah. work. Mine's over there. Yeah, so good. But effectively, yes, there's so many ways that we've structured corporate cultures and business ways of doing business that are actually counterproductive or or ineffective or inefficient. There's just a lot of ways we do things that aren't necessarily we don't necessarily do them because they're the the best, most effective thing or create the most impressive outcomes. It's just because that's how people do them. <laughs> so I am a big champion of saying, let's do not that many meetings. So let's have a, I know, a biweekly check-in between these two departments. Keep it to 45 minutes. Let's do, you know, and so we, on my average calendar week to get really granular, I have fewer than five hours of internal meetings and usually fewer than five hours of external meetings. Um, so that's 10 hours of meetings. And that's like on the max side of my meeting time. Yes. <laughs> we manage a lot of other things on uh, WhatsApp, uh, in organizing details in platforms like Asana. Um, and then touch points, you know, a lot of our external relationships are run over email because that's what other people use and their preference in communicating. Um, but even that, it's very much like if this email is actually a to-do, I'm just going to put it over in Asana and archive this <laughs> message and not let the clutter get me down. Um, so the work about work, you do have to become intentional about it and not fall into habits of how you think a company should be run just because that's what you've seen in the movies or you experienced for the first five years of your career in, in companies that were you know, managed in a variety of different ways. Part of it is about having the courage to try new ways of doing business. One of the, the joys of being more entrepreneurial, including intrapreneurial when you're in a, a company, is challenging these systems. So for us, we do keep meetings to a minimum. And then because we have these other pieces in place, like the operating system and, um, and Asana in particular, you know, you don't necessarily waste a lot of time on status updates or reporting on what you're doing. You just, you have time to just do what you need to do. And then the systems are almost self-reporting because, you know, you check in for five minutes, whether you're achieving your goals that quarter or not, on track or off track. That's a really simple way of saying it. There's no long-winded explanation. You don't take 20 minutes to say, well, I'm waiting to hear back from, you know, Susan at the, the just on, on or off. And, and you have the whole three months to get it on, on track. And so things like that free you up. And I'm doing this body language because it can feel so constrictive to be stuck in old ways of doing things. Um, and there's a lot of, flexibility and freedom that you can find when you sort of get out from under those things but you do have to have the courage and Aaron used the right word it does require you to be brave because being in a lot of meetings makes you seem busy and look like you're working it's not always the way to move things forward couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> you're, you're so right um yeah, thanks for sharing that. So like with a, a lot of your systems, you have Asana, right? Mm -hmm. it, it seems like you've done a really good job of honing in on how are we going to be spending our time? So do you make it that everything lives in Asana as far as SOPs and process goes so that your team has full access to it? Is it living in Google Drive somewhere? Mm -hmm. um, are you using Notion or like right. what does that look like? I know you mentioned like WhatsApp. Can you talk a bit about the tech stack? you use yes, and then absolutely. You know, where all that stuff kind of lives what what are we what are we doing so when yeah. i arrived in the organization dropbox was our primary file function okay. and that is still operationally um part of our system some of our large design files for example our manufacturing um, product files are huge hefty uh, like gigabytes i'm see i'm not a technical person i'm like the thing <laughs> about how large they are 
they're yeah, big, yeah. so they're hosed there. Um, but otherwise, we are in G Suite. We do use G Drive, and we have you know shared folders there. Obviously, I have some folders that are particular to certain. Uh, corners of the company that I'm looking over or tracking things like I want to keep this leadership five, you know, folder here, this uh, important market research there. But generally speaking, we are highly integrated. It's like very open organization in terms of understanding financials, access to uh, financial information, um, access to planning and other strategic like EOS information. Um, so there's really a lot of transparency. And actually, Heather is wonderful for talking about radical transparency. and How can we increase the transparency that we have internally and externally? So we do use G Drive, G Suite, lots of access available there. We also are in Asana in a big way. So uh, Kendall and I use it um, most heavily in the company. Um, and I love Asana, particularly in our function for driving sales in planning the to-dos in terms of actually what do we have to get across the finish line. The nature of the sales cycle in CPG space is pretty long-winded. And what you get is this really heavy um, runway at the beginning where you've got just oodles of documentation, things that need signatures, files that need zipping and sending and da -da. So actually this week for the quarter, Kendall and I are setting out across multiple retail relationships, a full capture of all of our listing needs, uh, listing into these retailers so that we have a full snapshot of what is unfolding over the next 12 weeks. Um, so there should be, and then all of the documents will be attached in each to do. The person who needs to complete that, make sure that it's finished, will be assigned. The, the due date will be added. You know how we do. We know how we do. And in that way as well, and I encourage Kendall with this, and we're getting better and better at this. When you have everything laid out like that, at least for me, one of the functions I appreciate is you have when you have a fuller snapshot, you can reprioritize and move things as you need. So as challenges come up or um, you, re you know, you look at what's happening and you understand you want to make a shift. Um, you don't miss things because your inbox is a little deep that week or your it just means that there's more um, captured and you're less likely to um, drop the ball, but then you're also more empowered to prioritize as business needs evolve. That's my number one reason I love Asana. <laughs> you have the ability to look down your, you know, what's necessary and um, make choices. And I think that's a really powerful thing to implement. Perfect. This episode was also sponsored by Asana. <laughs> I know. To get your free trial. <laughs> do they want to like, like call me? I mean, I'm happy to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah so literally joking not sponsored at all not yet unless they not want yet. to uh, <laughs> perfect so just as we're wrapping up here um you know what, what's one thing that you want to say to owners of organizations you know when it comes to process documentation mm -hmm. and improvement what are they really not considering when it comes to all those things my experience with entrepreneurs and this is stretching back like not with bogo brush right now but year like the last five years i would say I've worked with so many founders and they're in those nitty gritty startup phases. And whether you're a product-based business or a service-based business, the scramble to succeed, the pressure that exists in that stretch of a business, of building a business can be crushing. Like it can be demoralizing. And, um, you know, Amy Porterfield has a great course on this called Systems That Scale. And I did that like a couple of years ago. She's got great things about G Suite and all the rest, but she's great. We love Amy Porterfield. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the the thing that I think most founders kind of want to skip over is the way that structural, structure will release that pressure. Not all of it, but certain pressure points can be relieved as you try to scale your business. When you do sink that time and effort into some systems, because instead of feeling disorganized, instead of feeling lost, instead of feeling unfocused, you really give yourself this 
whole support <laughs> structure so that you can minimize some of those things. Again, none of us achieve it 100%, but you have the, the option early on to go for it. And, and if money's an, you know, an issue, there are ways of starting out you know, where you're at with what you have in terms of resources and then folding in these, you know, these tools and making the investment along the way. Um, I always joke with Kendall that we were doing these things to save both time and money um, because every hour that we maximize is more valuable to the business and it's going to make us happier. And that's not even a weird capitalist thing. That's just straight facts. Like if we can um, do a better job at our jobs, that's a wonderful thing. Reduce yeah. the friction, you know, reduce the that's friction, it. feel a bit smoother. Well, it's clear you're in the right place. And <laughs> I mean, Bogar Brush is so lucky to have you. Um, I'd love to know where can people connect with you? Where are you hanging out online these days? If they Absolutely. want to find out more about Bogar Brush? Yeah. Can you just give more information? Sure. Where to find me? Yeah. So come hang out with us at bogerbrush.com and at bogerbrush on social channels. You can find me at angelawallace.ca if you want to nose around how I got started uh, my agency almost two years ago. And uh, find me at a Wallace MSC. Uh, that's A W A L L A C E M S C at Instagram and Twitter. And um, shoot me a note. Anyone, any questions, any coffee Zoom chats, I'd love to connect because um, connection is going to get us through this COVID period. So by all means, reach out. Perfect. And anyone who does reach out, you're going to have a great time chatting with Angela. <laughs> I could literally talk to her all day. So I want to thank you for being on the show today, Angela. I had an amazing time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And all the best with your podcast. I can't wait to listen to all your other episodes. Perfect. If you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and follow on your preferred channel. If you know of a friend or colleague that would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them so that we can reach more listeners just like you. As always, all the links from today's talk will be in the show notes. And remember, if it isn't documented, it didn't happen. We'll see you next time.